Welcome to the Giant Special Giant Special. Uh, it's the April Fool's Day episode where we return to our conversation on giants in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. You thought we were done. Once again, we are not. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Megan and joining me, of course, for this giant special episode is the fire to my frost, the stone to my hill, the other head on the rocking Etten body uh, of the series, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> That was quite the It was a lot, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is going to focus on the two new giant kin entries that we got from the Dragonlance supplement on D&D Beyond, as well as the one single giant that got left behind in Ravnica. It's a shame that only one of you figured out which one was missing. So Diggly Blue Moonya from Reddit, this episode is dedicated to you. Before we get started, I wanted to ask a question. We've covered dozens of giants with themes from Norse mythology, Greek mythology, space giants, human-sized giants, cursed giants, blessed giants, magical giants, fae giants, two-headed giants, and even giant space hamsters. Keeping in mind that the regular non-wine drinking podcast has also covered (laughs) trolls and undead giants, in your opinion, what kind of theme are we missing of this creature type? Are we missing anything of the giant household? This is hard. I know. <laughs> um, like, I guess what comes to mind is a dragon connection. We're covering that today. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe more giants that may not actually appear to be a giant in the natural world. Yeah. Like, just like super tall people. Yeah, like you wouldn't <laughs> quite peg them as a giant if you, you hidden know. giants. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. What do you think? I think I think what we are missing is the high intelligence giants that do operate within society. So, like when we look at the um, like cloud giants and the ones that have the intelligence to them, they tend to be not usually present within the actual realm. They're the ones that are in the clouds or hidden in caves or working in the background or doing their own thing. The ones that we see on a day-to-day basis and interact with regularly are the grunts, the ones with low intelligence, the ones that are used for physical labors, those kinds of things. So we don't really see a lot of those high-intelligent wizard-like Giants. Uh huh. Whereas I feel like that's something that we might be missing is certain magic types of giants. Well, aren't we in luck today? Then? Aren't we <laughs> in some luck? Oh my gosh. <laughs> but before we get started to talk about these special giants today, uh, Casey, what wine are we drinking? The wine. I think we segued in perfectly. Yeah. This is from Australia, the Magic Box Amazing Cabernet. I love that it's called the Magic Box. Yep. <laughs> All right. Oh, I missed that sound. I know. I like how we're talking about this like we don't drink wine <laughs> not while doing episodes. No. I just cue in because I just hope it's picked up on the mic so I think about the pour more. That's fair. Cheers. Not bad. Not bad. It's got a little tartness to it. Yep. Like the first tongue feel that I feel is just like like a sour almost. Like a plum wine. Yep. There's like a hint of sweet and mm-hmm. then sour. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Oh, yeah. How much? How expensive was that bottle of wine? It was $10. I'm like, fuck yes. It was, I believe, 13 mm. or 14 So, yeah, decent. So, like, two cents in American. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. All right, Casey, kick us off. <laughs> All right. Our first major topic is Erda. Nailed it. <laughs> 
Tell me more about yes, Erda. Erda. Okay, we are digging into the Monstrous Compendium Volume 2, Dragonlance Creatures. Um, Erda were created by the Dragon Queen, Tachesis. Tachesis? Yes, that's what we're going with today. Amazing. And this is on the planet Kryn, for anybody who follows continents and planets in this realm. Good to know. They can be of any alignment, so while some may follow in more evil footsteps of their creator, uh, others may go on a different path and worship a different deity. But if they do, they are often um, remaining hidden and away from uh, the Dragon Queen and their followers. Once again, remaining hidden, you know? Yep. Yep, that's fair. Uh, Erda are giant kin, loosely connected to the Oni and the Ogre. Mm. They are medium-sized. They have skin tones ranging from like a rich dark blue to a more ocean-like green and can have what looks like etchings through their skin and tend to have a silvery sheen to their skin as well. I love that you just avoided the word turquoise. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They might just be turquoise. (laughs) They might be. Just a glimmer. You never never know. Just a lovely (laughs) glimmer. Um, That's more or less the extent of the descriptor and basically lore from 5e. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a bit more in other areas where you can find lore uh, outside of the 5th edition. One interesting story that I hope will entertain you, I will dive into now, uh, is... Tying Erda much, much closer to ogres. In the Age of Dreams, ogres ruled over human slaves who mined for gems and other minerals for the ogre community. Um, For those who follow timelines, this is in 6,320 P.C. Good to know. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I know exactly when that was. It was like it was yesterday. Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) Um, so the ogre Igraine and his daughter, whose name is never mentioned, I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, great. Um, were involved in a cave-in at the, at the mines. Um, Igraine escaped and in order, and ordered the mines to be sealed off, even though his daughter was still inside. What a toy waffle. Yeah. Uh, but one of the human slaves named Ida, uh, Idamat... <laughs> Adam. Adam? Edom? I don't know. It's a weird spelling. Yadam. Yadam. We'll give Adam a pause. We'll give Adam a pause. (laughs) Our Adam a pause or this Adam a pause? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. A human slave named Yadam. Uh, however, snuck and got her out of the caves before they were completely sealed off. Oh, got the daughter out. Got the daughter out. Great. Is that what I said? No. Well, I'm just putting, I'm I'm putting this together now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So good at telling stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, got the daughter out. Okay. Um, but in doing so, he directly disobeyed an order and the sentence for that is death. Great. So, yeah. Um, considering the fact that... He did it to save his daughter. Igraine uses his authority to postpone the execution. Um, And ultimately, this moment changed the way he ruled over humans. He gave them more freedom. And 
in some level, offered them a work-life balance. (laughs) Um, Us millennials love a good work-life balance. (laughs) And no shock to us, they became more productive than ever working in the mines. Mm. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, other ogre leaders did not agree with his decisions to do that. And ultimately, Igrain was forced to flee. I want to say he brought his daughter with him because she is never mentioned again in this story. (laughs) I would hope that that would be the vibe. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, The human slaves also helped him to do so, and it also just started a rebellion of those slaves. So he took followers with him, and they traveled essentially as far as they could across the land until they reached the sea, where they were met by goddess Mishakal who helped them continue on their journey into the Dragon Isles over the, over the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, they landed on a magically protected island that ha- was kept by Solinari, who is the god of good magic and happens to be the son of Mishikali, So or Mishikal. So got the help from Mishikal and son of Mishikal to land on a very magical island. Mm. It doesn't say explicitly, but I believe this is where um, these ogres started to acquire their magical abilities, was living and making this island their home. Yeah. And it ever since it has been their home and where the, where the Urda are found. Okay. Um, and they have a natural recluse way of being. Um, yeah. So I thought that was... A much more detailed story of how Erda came to be, and I wanted to include it. That's really cool. Having that backstory kind of, like, gives you the inspiration how to use them in campaigns, right? Yeah. So it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They did some good, and they, you know, they evolved, and it's just a a little bit of a spin that we haven't seen. I feel like how would she not be mad at her dad for leaving her behind, you know? I know. I know that we like to believe that she went with him, but I'd be like, fuck that guy. Yeah. I'd be like, (laughs) you left me here to die. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Um, And one other fun fact in the lore I found was Erda are also the reason Chaos, god of disorder and destruction, escapes his gray gem imprisonment on Krim. (laughs) The shit happens and they accidentally release him into the world. That sounds like everything we've done in our campaigns. (laughs) Yes. Like, oh, what a great thing we've done. Releases unimaginable evil on the other corner of the world. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's a future problem. We'll deal with that another day. 100% came to mind for me too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there are two more specialized Urda that we're going to cover. The first is the Urda Seeker. Okay. So Urda Seekers are essentially like sneaky rogue spies. They use disguises and are very skilled in insight, perception, and stealth. They eavesdrop and find information for allies, and they use a lot of um, evasion-type abilities to not really go into combat. Okay. So to avoid getting hit and peace out quickly, those kinds of things. Okay. Uh, Urda Seekers are medium-sized. They are, like, considered a giant, and they can be any alignment. Um, I, because of the the lore that I read, I just lean towards them being good. So we're going to go with that today. I like that. 
they have AC of 12 and an average hit point of 27. CR1. So that surprised me. I thought they would be higher than that. <laughs> they are not. <laughs> so, yeah, they're more your average humanoid. They have a speed of 30 and average and slightly above average stat blocks with charisma being the highest at plus three. Mm-hmm. They have dark vision 60 feet, true sight of five feet. They speak common, giant, and sylvan. Um, so they are going to be pretty easy to kill in combat. But honestly, I think that would be a last resort for them. Mm. I think they would try to avoid that, try to talk to you, and they would probably be a better ally than just killing them. So yeah. this is one of the talk to your kobolds, talk to your Erda Seekers. <laughs> if you can recognize them as that, just talk to them because they yeah. can't. <laughs> CR1, my guy. They're going <laughs> to. Yeah, like they don't have a whole lot. No. As for actions, they have um, an ability called Augment Physicality. And they can do this once per day. Um, the Erda Seeker can use its inherent magical abilities to increase its size to large size. And that includes everything it's wearing and carrying. So that gives them um, advantage on strength and dexterity saving throws. Uh, they carry a crystal blade, which in the imagery is... Looks very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do carry a weapon. I just don't think they will use it unless they have to. Uh, it has a reach of five feet and does 1d6 plus 2 force jam- damage, which is something we don't see that often. And usually force damage is one of those things that is really hard to defend against. So I think if they hit, they probably, you won't have something that makes it half damage or anything like that. Yeah. Um, Your regular mook. (laughs) Yep. And this increases to 2d6 uh, force damage when it's in its large size. Mm. It has multi-attack, so it can make two crystal blade attacks and use its augment physicality ability all in the same action if it hasn't used that ability yet, like it's once per day. Mm. So once it goes into initiative with you, it can kind of do quite a bit in that first turn. Yeah. Um, It also has the ability once per day to change shape. And so the Seeker can transform into another medium humanoid it has seen before. So it's essentially disguised self. So it could disappear into the crowd. It could... Make it look make it look like one of your your party members. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just that that evasion, that sneakiness, that like you see it and then you don't see it because it's it's just and it's smart enough. It's going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a, a creature that has a bonus action ability. Um, it's called Veil Walk and it has a recharge. Uh, the Erda Seeker can turn invisible and teleport to another o- unoccupied space within 30 feet and remains invisible until the start of its next turn or it makes an attack. So it's an invisibility spell, essentially. Mm-hmm. But it's an ability, again, just hinting that it's going to get itself out of danger as, and it can do that as a bonus action. Yeah. Um, I think it will use this to get a danger, get completely away and then just book it <laughs> just poof I'm and then it's yeah. gone <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's the Erda seeker you may never actually see one of these in real life because that's what they really want they yeah. just want to be sneaky again hidden 
Yep. These ones with such intelligence and, like, amazingness. They're just, they always want to be so hidden. Yep. <laughs> and they have strategy and they have magical abilities that can help them do that. Yeah. So. That's really cool. Yeah, I thought so. You have another one with the Keeper, though, to talk about, right? Yes. Uh, so the Urda Vale Keeper is also heavy illusionary magic. Mm. Um, so they use this magic to protect themselves and even protect their communities. So creating um, a veil of protection, illusion, to make whole communities undetectable. Hidden. <laughs> Hidden. <laughs> um, and they also look like spellcasters, like the imagery of long flowing robes. And I imagine there's always a rustling um, in their robes, like a breeze from nowhere. They mm-hmm. just look very magical uh, and are quite beautiful. And they do not carry weapons. They are medium in size and, again, any alignment. And it also states sorcerer in their description. So that will also give you a direction on how to roleplay. Um, yeah. The Urda Veil Keeper. We've done many episodes on how to play a sorcerer, so I feel like <laughs> if you want to know those, just go back and look at our sorcerer episodes. Excellent. <clears throat> um, so these ones have an AC of 13 and an average hit points of 49. Hmm. So they're nearly double uh, the Urda Seeker. They have a speed of 30 feet and our CR4. Okay. So markedly harder, I would say, than the other um, Urda Seeker and would be harder to kill. Uh, but they just seem really nice. <laughs> they just seem so generous and so kind. I think I would align these ones to good as well if I were to, <laughs> to put one in my campaign. You're I just know. A, a hidden society just doing what they want to do. Why bother them? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And- a phenomenal ally. Okay, yeah. so I'll go into why they would be one. Um, so their strength, in terms of stats, their strength is below average, just a little bit at minus one, but everything else is above average, and wisdom is at plus three, and charisma is at plus four. Yeah. Um, they are very skilled in arcana, insight, and perception. They have conditional immunities from being charmed and frightened. They have dark vision 60 feet, true sight of 5 feet, and notably high passive perception of 17. Mm. They also speak common, giant, and sylvan. Um, so the Urda Veil Keeper has very similar abilities to the Seeker. They have the augment physicality and change shape as abilities. Uh, and they have one... Um, melee or range spell attack, and it's called Mirage Flare. It's pretty neat. It's plus six to hit and five foot reach or 60 foot range and one target. But on a hit, the target takes 2d6 plus four radiant damage and must make a DC 14 wisdom saving throw or be charmed until the start of the Veil Keeper's next turn. Mm-hmm. And while charmed, um, just so everyone knows, the creature is incapacitated when its mind is filled with captivating visions that the um, Veil Seeker has put in them. So the Veil Seeker just basically deems them no longer a threat. Nice. But I don't think would kill them. Would just be like, you're done. Stop there. (laughs) You just stay there while they deal with whatever else. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it also has multi-attack where it can make two Mirage Flare attacks and use its augment physicality if it hasn't used it already that day. Mm -hmm. So that's very similar um, to the... Did I just call it a Veil Seeker? Yeah, I did. I mixed... The <laughs> I blurred those together. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Uh, Erda. <laughs> Erda. Erda. Uh, so to really hone in on this sorcerer aspect, though, this is where there's a bigger difference between um, the Veil Keeper versus the Seeker. Mm -hmm. um, it does have more spellcasting abilities, using Charisma as its spellcasting um, ability. Mm. At will, it can cast Dancing Lights and Minor Illusion. Once per day, it can do each Invisibility, Major Image, and Phantasmal Force. And once per day, Hallucinary Terrain. So what's interesting is, aside from Phantasmal Force, all of these are not attacking type spells. They are, like, just illusionary, like, deceit, evasion. Again, it's just speaking to them. They are not going to run into battle. If they can avoid it, they will. Yeah, they're, they're, they're built for survival. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and these guys also have a reaction ability uh, called Obscuring Mist. So if there is a creature within 30 feet of the Veil Keeper um, and it's targeted by an attack... The Veil Keeper can create an illusionary mist around that creature, giving it half cover until the start of the Keeper's next turn. Mm. So, again, it's helping its allies. It's, a like, it's boosting their protection yeah. so that they may survive. Their that. ability to also hide. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's the Veil Keeper. Also very interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, then out of those two, so now we've got the Seeker and we have the Keeper. Yeah. Um, which one do you feel you would want to role play or have within your campaign? I I would still stick with the Erda Seeker, I think. Yeah? Yeah. I think they could be a really useful ally in mm -hmm. a party. And if, say, you know the region that they reside, if you ever need to go in there and find anything out or go in there and seek some sort of, like, like refuge, um, they would know everything. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I also, like it. Yeah, I like the idea of the Seekers as well, just because they are such, like, basic bitches, you know? Like, they're not <laughs> built to be something overly exceptional and special. Like, they are just this is what I was born to do and this is what I do. It's nothing overpowering. I don't think it's mm -hmm. anything that breaks the game. Um, but they have a lot of knowledge and they have a lot of know-how. And, like, it's going to be a, a back history that you're going to have in your game that to seek these out to learn something about where you're supposed to get to or they're going to be quest givers or just helpers, right? Yeah. It's going to be like you go in and get your quest from your, your quest giver and you're going after your big bad evil guy and these are the ones that are you come across halfway through your campaign. Yeah. Because you're lost or because you need something or, and you're going to come across them by accident because they're hidden as fuck, right? Yeah. These to me, like, <clears throat> like scream Ewok. 
you yeah. know, from like Star Wars where they're like hidden in the forest and you don't know where they are. And then all of a sudden like, you get to go to like their secret village or whatever oh and become gosh. friends with them and that kind of stuff. That's what it like screams to me is just like secrecy of the Ewoks. Yeah. And uh, they will see you for so much longer before you even know they're there. 100%. <laughs> and like if you, and if you touch a plant wrong in their area, they're going to be like, mm, <laughs> no, that's sacred. Don't eat that. Put it yeah. down. Put it down. But, like, I also like the Veil, like, Keeper, because, again, like, their ability to utilize magic and be those sorcerers is also really cool. Yeah. Right? And, like, if you were to almost PC one of these or NPC one of these within your campaign, they are going to be, like, your main support buff character. For right? sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you could also play, especially the... the uh, veil keeper, maybe a little more playful. I like the Ewok thing where like you might be getting close to where they have hidden a community and they're like standing behind the veil going, shit, shit, they're getting closer. They're getting closer. Yeah. And then like they try and like get you off track. They like throw other illusions out. So you're like walking along a path and you see something that's like, wait, is that like smoke from a fire? And then you look away and look back and it's just like a cloud has appeared there. It's like, no, it isn't. <laughs> Never mind. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, they also scream like Faye to me. You know? Yeah. Because they feel like, I feel like to be protective of themselves and their community, they're going to be a little bit more deceptive. So even though they're happy-go-lucky little Ewoks, they're going to be, like, trickstery almost, right? I think right? so, yeah. They'll set traps within their area or whatever to yeah. be able to, like, make sure that they keep themselves safe. Like, and it'll be stupid things, like little noisemakers when you cross a certain exactly. threshold. It's um, not going to be, like, horror or devastating. It's going to be just a deterrent. Like, yeah. Like, a slight annoyance. Because they just want to, <laughs> yeah, because they don't want to hurt you. They're not out there. In my mind, I, I read them the same way you do, where they're more on the good side, where they're not malicious. They just exist, and they just want to exist as they exist, and they just don't want to be bothered, right? Yeah. Also, Fern Gully vibes, now that I have that in my head, too. I don't know yeah. if you've ever offered Fern Gully oh, when yes. you were a kid. Yeah. I think we've talked about Fern Gully in our <laughs> podcast at some yeah. point, but... Yeah, it has come to mind recently, actually, for <laughs> other podcasts we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What a strange, Who strange knows? concept. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad we covered these because they are quite different from anything that we saw before. Like you said, any really heavy magic user was just super powerful, high CR, and couldn't really get thrown into any scenario. Mm-hmm. These ones, sure, they may primarily only exist on one planet of Grin, but fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> exist anywhere at yeah, this point. We yeah. know that you can space travel at this yeah, point. Like, and come they on. could just have their own little hovel in a lovely forest that you come across one day. <laughs> in a lovely forest one day. Yeah. Phenomenal. Alright, well I'm going to talk about something a little bit different. A little bit more malicious. To the point where I'm going to grab my book here so Excellent. that I can describe what these bitches look like I will to you. top up your mind. Your mind? Top up my mind? I will top up your wine while you're doing that. Oh, phenomenal. Top up my mind for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, this wine, it gets even better as it breathes, I think. It, it does have a good taste to it. Like, mm. I, I got to give it to it. It's quite nice. All right. So, but to start, before I get into um, what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap in history of Ravnica, because that's where we're headed now. Okay, cool. So, we have talked about Ravnica before in previous Giants episodes. Uh, one thing that is clearly established is that the city is built of guilds. Like, I don't know if you remember, but this is the place that is just one giant city. Right. There's, like, a hundred guilds. Uh, they all have a different, like, 
Um, they either are part of the city and how its infrastructure works and how things operate, or they're just experimenters and scientists and things like that, but there are just different guilds that exist. Uh, in fact, the one that we talked about the most was the, um, the Gruul, uh, one, because yes. they had a lot of the giants existed and a lot of the, what is that word? Tangential. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <sighs> oh, the tend I, I I spelt that word wrong seven times today. <laughs> but the tangential giants, so like the ones that just kind of like fit within the giant realm, mm-hmm. right? Came from like a lot of the the guilds within Ravnica. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the Is It League. So this league is a guild, but it's led by um, the dragon Nev Mizzet. Um, obviously, anyone who plays magic cards, obviously Ravnica's for magic. That's a magic card thing, um, and is a magical science and engineering guild. So they're responsible for the building and infrastructure of Ravnica itself, as well as are just like mad scientists when it comes to magic. Cool. So just imagine like a mad scientist's lab and all kinds of magical energy and nonsense flying around. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what this guild and league is built to do. So we chatted about, um, we didn't like, I chatted about the Izzet Guild for a reason, obviously, as there is a giant friend who, you know, is, belongs to the Izzet group, uh, which is the Nivix Cyclops. So, to describe what this motherfucker looks like, um, as if you've ever played the game Bioshock? No. No. Okay. Well, it is basically a, a, a fucking giant with, I don't know how to describe that. It's basically like a, what is it called? <laughs> like a scuba diving tube hat on. Yes. And like, I, like a giant, like, glass thing. Anyways, and it's just oh like. Oh my lord. It almost looks like it's built to absorb energy and expel energy. So, it's yeah. very mechanical. It's very large. It's very brutish. Right? So it's got a giant tank on its back that my mind is built for holding magic or <laughs> X, Y, Z, right? So, in fact, they are decked out in what's called Mizium armor that protects them from possible injury that can happen from explosive magic or anything that could happen with a laboratory that is magical. Um, so that's why they're used in these workshops as either guards, protectors, or just like general heavy laborers for um, like the people that work and operate within this league. So stat-wise, they have an AC of 14, a healthy health pool of over 100, and a speed of 30. They are below average in pretty much every stat other than strength and con. Their strength is plus 7, and their constitution is 6. Nice. So, like, they're they're built to take a hit, and they're built to move shit. You know what I mean? Uh, They are immune to poison and psychic damage, as well as being charmed, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, or poisoned. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, right so and with their beefed up cyclops eye they also have dark vision and a passive perception of 10 so yeah they're not very smart and they're not really like high intelligence in any shape or form but like they can see shit and like i feel that's because they have a giant fucking goggle on their eyeball (laughs) right it's like it's like a singular goggle on their eyeball yeah there's like no escaping it i feel like your roguest of rogues could be sneaking in and then just the heads with laser eyes like what the fuck man um so this actually makes them a cr of eight okay so out of the ones you spoke about this is now the next step up here um as for abilities and actions they are resistant to magic um which is just what, what all that means is that they have advantage on saving throws against spells and magical effects. And I think that that just speaks to coming from its armor that it's wearing, that it's resistant to magic. Okay. Um, they multi-attack with two slam attacks, which is a plus 10 to hit with a reach of 10. Ooh. Yeah. So it can hit you even if you are not within that five foot range, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, they also are given a reaction called spell visualization, which basically means if a creature within 120 feet of them casts a spell, the Cyclops can use its reaction to move up to twice its speed uh, and can attack in without getting attack of opportunity and then attack a target with a slam. Wow. Yeah. So it can It's like basically you, go, oh, no, you don't, and yeah. then just boom, boom after. Your, your wizard goes, oh, well, fuck this, fireball, and it's like, I don't fucking think so. <laughs> and it just, like, and it's for some fucking reason with, like, wizard speed just runs across, the like, the play field, you know what I mean? It's Holy just like, shit. this motherfucker's fast. Yeah. And it only has, like, a regular walking speed of 30, so. But sick to move 60, 60 feet. 60 feet with, as a reaction. Yeah. To a spell being cast. That's cool. Because a wizard or any other type of spellcaster would be, you know, a, a, a safe, like, 40 or 50 feet. Be like, I'm out of range. I'm all good over here. No, yeah. you're not. You're absolutely not fucking <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> all right. So that's pretty much it for um, this 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 young young gentleman is what I'm going to call him. Uh, uh, I love Cyclopses. Yeah. It's, it's so very, fun. And this one is very steampunk-esque. Yes. So I think that's another way to describe how it looks. Yeah. Like, it definitely has, like, the, the mechanical aspect to it. Because, again, not only is the Is It League built to kind of experiment with experimental magic, but they do so in a mechanical way. They are physical engineers, Mm -hmm. right? So they're almost like tinkerers, but also magic users. Yeah. Like, a cool build could be an artificer coming out of this league. Mm -hmm. You know, that could be a good backstory for a character. And if you had an artificer in your group and you threw this at it or you were going in somewhere and this was guarding the door, like, it it would be in love. Yeah, be like, oh. <laughs> no, we can't, we can't oh. try to kill it. <laughs> I forgot what languages it speaks. Actually, let me just quickly look that up again. Sorry, let me find my page one more time. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a loving mood, but again, I wouldn't necessarily want to fight this, especially since it would be really fucking hard to kill. Right. Uh, so it can speak common and giant. So okay, it can talk to you. Um, but yeah, it's intelligence, just to give you those stats, just so you get aware. Intelligence is negative two, wisdom is zero, charisma is negative one, and dex is negative one. Right. Which I think is hilarious <laughs> that their dex is negative one, and it, the, I think it's because they have this natural magical ability that the reaction, they can move out of the way of a spell, specifically. <laughs> but their dex is pretty shitty. Yeah. So. So they will be given, like, one simple directive by whomever they Guard this door. Yeah. yeah. Move this from this space to that space. Yeah. Like, they're very, very hyper-specific to what their job is. So if they are guarding a door, I don't think that you would be able to convince it to move. Yeah. At all. Yeah. You would have to fight this to get it to move. Yeah. If you could find a way to defeat its master or something, I feel like you could absolutely convince it to come with you. 100%. And then be part of your crew. Absolutely. Part of the horde, part of the crew. Yeah. Absolutely. I think so, too. And I think that would be one of those fun things like, reward your players with, that if you don't kill it at the door, you find your way in somehow. You end up infiltrating, doing doing the big quest. And then there's this big brute standing outside the door being like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, I feel like we have had weird monstro- monstrosities follow us around. I'm trying to remember the name of the, the fighting robot that was in the co- Coliseum that we had. Oh. That's actually, like, a child. Oh, he was so awesome. I don't remember what his name was now. Sorry, Adam. Adam's saying it right now. Yeah, he's like, fuck you guys. 
Um, but that was really cute. But, like, that was a thing. It's like, he looked big, scary, and blah, 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 blah. But he's just following rules and doing what he's told. Yeah. Right? And I feel like that's the vibe I get from these ones. Is that, yeah. like, they very much are just doing what they're told. They are physical laborers. They're moving shit around. Like, they're not overly exciting. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, again, that reaction is going to be such a big surprise to your party. Yeah. Uh, like, absolutely, if you have any sort of tinker, creator, artificer in your group, this would be a really fun thing to highlight kind of just that connection. Yeah. And like, hey, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> and again, probably give them that reward of figuring out how these things work. Mm-hmm. And then your reward is now it's a part of your party and it listens to now your tinkerer or your artificer. Yeah. Right? Or even your wizard magic character. Because it's just like, oh, you have magical powers. <laughs> That's cool. My boss used to have magical powers. <laughs> I would like to follow you around and worship you now for the rest of your life. That sounds like a great time for me. Like, <laughs> like let's do this. So cute. Yeah. All right. Well, we talked about like, I feel like we talked a lot about the role playing aspect behind these things. Um, but other than that, what's the most ex- inspiring part of these for you? Do you think? Inspiring. This normally, what was the AC? I won't get you. to. <laughs> it was eight. The no, eight, AC, eight. AC was 14. AC is 14, yeah. yeah. Okay. CR of 8. CR of 8, yeah. okay. Um, this is one of the more beefed-up, armored, um, like, giant or giant king kins we've come across. Yeah. Most of the time, they're just wearing that loincloth. So this is kind of hey, fun. Hey, don't knock the loincloth. I, I'm not. I, I will forever have the love of the loin. Never went our level. <laughs> Can we name this episode Love of the Loin? Adam just asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that is a cool spin, and players may not realize it's a Cyclops in there initially. It might just think it's a giant robot. Just a, just, yeah, a bionic creature. And then, nope, there's a Cyclops in there. Yep. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely using that um, reaction. Yeah, especially if you have, a, like, a large magical party that's very, like, proud of their stupid magic. But then you have that one barbarian that gets up super close, starts to fight you, and then your fucking wizard's like, okay, well, that's okay, I'll laser you to death. And then you're like, yeah. well, no, I, I move 60 feet and I, I, I punch <laughs> I punch the wizard in the face. Yeah. <laughs> And just imagine, like, the barbarian is right in front, and it just, like, looks up and just, like, like straight arm walks around the barbarian and runs away. And the barbarian's like, opportunity attack. And as the DM, it's like, nope. Nope, you got, you got strong arm. You got, like, stiff face. Like, yeah. you're... It's like, he out. He out. <laughs> and somehow he ran really fast. <laughs> Even your rogue is like, oh, that's cool. It's okay, it's like, but I can whoa. only do that as a reaction. Otherwise, I'm walking super slow. So have a nice day. Yeah, I think for inspiration pieces of these, I, we talked quite a bit about, like, the main aspects of them. But um, I do enjoy the fact that their attack is a slam. Yeah. I think it's very cute and very fitting. Because it's like, you're not going to deck these out with giant weapons. I feel like they would be too stupid to, yeah. like, like, wield a weapon, right? So you, th- the whole purpose of them is that you've beefed them up with these abilities to resist magical effects um, so that they can be within your laboratory with you. But then if you need them to guard, obviously they're going to be able to have that physical extra attack of just, like, I don't know how to, I, don't sp- I feel like I'm supposed to stop you from entering this room. <laughs> I'm going to just flail my arms around, you yeah. know? Like, they're not taught how to use a weapon. Yeah, it's a little bit, like, Hulk-ish. Yeah. Like, just... 
I smash. Yeah, I'll just smash you. You like you need to stop. You're not stopping. Okay, smash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not stopping. Okay, smash. <laughs> <laughs> now all I can think of is the smash and pass audio. <laughs> pass, pass, smash. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like barbarian fighter wizard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pass, pass, wizard, smash. <laughs> So good. Um, Okay, so other than in, like, the Ravnica city setting, is there any other ideas that you can think of in how you would implement these in, like, a regular daily campaign? Well, a couple campaigns ago, we battled some, like, crazy creatures who were making golems. Yeah. And it was just, it was underneath a city in the the sewer tunnels. Yeah. It had created its own space to create these monsters and mad scientist style. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is a perfect scenario to have one of these creatures under there. And it could be any city. Yeah. It could be any, in any realm, anywhere you want, you could create this along with that scenario. Yeah. In your storyline. Because I do feel like they're not like piecemeal together. Like you would imagine Frankenstein to be right. No, but they're mad scientists together. And given weird bits of armor and pieces of, like, material and mechanical aspects to beef them up further than what they once were. Yeah. Right? So I do agree. Like, I do like the fact that it would be a tinkerer or an artificer. Um, but, yeah, no, I feel like if it's going to be the mad scientist aspect, it's going to be an artificer or a tinkerer or someone that is big on machinery and is, like, afraid of magic. Mm-hmm. Like, I I totally imagine being within a campaign where there's this person that, like, their whole family or whatever was wiped out by a magic user. Mm-hmm. And they're not like, fuck you, magic. And so they spent their entire life goal trying to figure out ways to mitigate magic use and how to destroy it and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's their, that's their madness, is to get rid of magic users. So it has all these um, items and things like that within their lair that they built that mitigate or stop or protect someone from magic. Um, but while he's experimenting with this, they're like, okay, well, I, I don't want to get injured by this, but I also need people to protect me, builds this kind of armor to protect the people that are helping him within his laboratory. Yep. Wears it himself, right? And then if your group and your, your adventuring group comes in and ends up destroying him, you now have a laboratory full of objects and items that can mitigate and stop magic Awesome. Use, right? So if yeah. you explore this area, you'll see... Traps that remove magic. You'll see, um, like, probably traps that use magic that's been harnessed in a certain yeah. way. Like, shape absorb or form. magic. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Like, <clears throat> small things like that. And then, and then when you've done and you finish the big, big bad, your group is now an extra level higher and now has new ways of stopping magic. Mm-hmm. So, if your big, bad, evil guy is a lich or someone who has a lot of big, large spells, you might now have given your team the ability to negate and move away from magic also you might inherit a nivix niv, nivix 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 cyclops yeah that's amazing and that's a whole really cool side quest that just helps the end game yeah also if you end up killing this thing then i could see your barbarian taking the armor absolutely 100%. yeah yeah. Hopping right in there. <laughs> Modding it so you can just... I'm just going to scooch in I'm here. just going to scooch into this nice little piece of armor. It's going to make a home here for myself. It's yeah. going to be a great time. Don't need any of you to be involved. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fun. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on these guys? Like, not even, not only these guys, but like thinking back to like our, um, uh, our Erda 
Or Urda. Which one feel which one feels more inspiring to you? Do you like the Urda or do you are you interested in the Ravnica like is it nonsense? Well, I am just starting to play a artificer, so I'm like, ooh, this is so fun. I was waiting for you to say, I'm just starting to play magic cards. And I was gonna be like, okay, well you can get out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am kind of doing that too on the side, but I digress. <laughs> Fuck that, Casey. We are no longer friends. You're no longer my psychic. Uh, no. Um, so they're they're very different. Yes. This this Cyclops and then the Urda are that have very different um like abilities and ways you will put them into your game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no way that the Nivix is gonna be discreet or hidden. No. It is just there. Yeah. Uh, I love them both, though. Like, I, if I'm doing some sort of mad scientist, creepy, even just, like, you have to go and find this wild, like, you could even tie it to something like a lich, someone that maybe was super intelligent and artificery uh, tinkerer who just got massively corrupted. Yeah. They would love this type of stuff. Yeah. yeah so that could be cool. Um and I just uh, yeah, the the Urda are just really sweet and cute. I think they could be dropped in anywhere and be that pleasant encounter. So, yeah. I want to blend them together. <laughs> you know, like always in my life, do I want to like make the weirdest things work together? So, like I can imagine again my Ewok colony of these Urda Seekers and whatever. And these are like the the big walkers that are on the forest. Yeah. But on their side. They're just walking around the forest, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just built there to be like, okay, well you shouldn't be here. So if you don't turn around now, I'm gonna gonna call the big bad guy. And then the big bad guy is just this tiny little Urda. Urda. And I, I like how we call them tiny, but they're technically giants. <laughs> yes. But, but they like, are medium size. Yeah, I feel like they would be tiny in comparison to the um the Nivix? Yeah, yeah, the Nivix. And definitely. Be- <laughs> oh, man. That'd be so fucking adorable. Yeah, we just created a whole, like, either, like, mini campaign for somebody using just these. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I Lovely. think that's the beauty of Giants, though. And I think that um, we did a mailbag episode recently where someone asked, like, um, if you could do a campaign, I think, with dragons, what would you do? And I said I would do the dragon giant battle, mm-hmm. like the war between the dragons and the giants, right? Oh my god! Because that that just fucking speaks to me one because of everything I know about giants now in my lifetime, but also a love for dragons and what have you. Yeah. And so, but now I'm kind of like, okay, well, I like the idea of all these smaller giant colonies that are all around, and how would they legitimately interact? within your campaigns if they were to see and find each other? Because I said a lot of the intelligent ones hide. Mm-hmm. And then there's that wonderance of like, okay, well, why do they hide? Why are they? Why are the intelligent ones not wanting to be parts of society? Why is it that we only get the brutes and the grunts that have low intelligence that are in society? Right. Right. So to go back to like my first comment at the beginning of this episode, it's weird that we don't have a lot of giants that operate within society that are of the high intelligence. And like, there are some, there are a few, they do exist, but not necessarily a lot in canon and in lore. Yeah. Normally they are grunts when you are within society. And normally if you have high intelligence, you are hidden within the mountains or within the clouds or yeah. within caves and caverns. Yeah. You like, need to be sought out specifically. Yeah. 
in but order like, to encounter them. Yeah, and then when you think about the history of giants, like, they have just as much rich history and involvement in the building of this world that is D&D, just as much as dragons did. Yeah. Just as fucking much. Like, runes and language and all that shit came from giants. Yes. So... It's so true. Why are we avoiding them as much as we avoid them when it comes to diving deeper into lore? Why are we constantly just using them as these grunts and brutes to do our day-to-day chores? Right? Yeah. It just seems painful now at this point to think <laughs> about it. Whenever I run up to a hill giant, I'll be like, this is painful. Like, I, I just want you to be a smart man and I want you to live the life that you want to live. You know what I mean? So if I was to run a campaign now with giants, it would be within a society where they function as, as they would. If, yeah. In the before times, shall we say. Like, before we turn them into these things. Yeah. Yeah, like, the the Urda are known to be, like, the first, the ogre of the old ages. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, before they turned into grunts and buffoons. Yeah. And you could do an entire campaign. Like, mm-hmm. whether it be seeking out the lands that they exist in, or finding your way to the lands that they exist in, or yeah. even just playing the story of how it all started. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I know that when I started DMing um, a little bit more in the last couple of years, one of the main things that, like, I learned from other DMs and a smart thing that was told to me was just pick the story you want to tell and everyone will want to be a part of the story that you want to tell. Right? And that's, like, just the, the simple basics of figuring out what you want to do for a campaign. Mm-hmm. Now, like, a story that I would want to tell and people to be a part of is bringing the giants back to like their former glory, mm-hmm. much like the cloud giants and like the, you know, the, the storm giants would have wanted, right? Like I would want to play that story. Yeah. I would play in that campaign with you. Phenomenal. Yeah. I'll write it. We'll do it. Love it. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap up after that long emotional? <laughs> I am touched. <laughs> I'm filled with all the good vibes. I'm so emotional about how you feel. Yeah. I love it. Good. Yeah. All right. So that's all for this giant special, giant special on Erda and the Nivix Cyclops. <laughs> we know that there are a giant themed book. There is a giant themed book coming out later this year, but I think we're going to let the weekly podcast tackle that so we can focus on Undead with the other ladies. Nice. Uh, that has definitely been something that we've been uh, a labor of love for us uh, ladies on the podcast. So please go ahead and listen. I think we're having a good time. We're not as drunk in that one as we are. <laughs> yeah, nothing um, will be like the Giant series. <laughs> no, that's just for me and Casey, and it's now archived as the way that it is. Uh, and then, of course, we will, if you're lucky, revisit any this booze-fueled series whenever a special or unique giant gets the spotlight in another book. So, I mean, I feel like it's not over at this point. <laughs> it's never going to be over. Editing this section is going to be the worst time of somebody else's life and not mine. So, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this special episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com. And if you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash itsamimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get.
All right. I haven't had anything to drink yet today, so this is going to be weird. Whew. It's a good thing that we are drinking, though. Yeah. That, that's probably for the best. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. I know. I know. I feel out of practice on Giants. I know. I forgot. I brought everything that I ever knew about Giants. It's already gone out of my <laughs> <Yeah>. brain. <laughs> I bragged that I'm the giant queen at this point. I'm like, I don't remember anything that we talked about. It was months ago. And there's so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, so, um, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Intro booze. (laughs) We're going to revisit this booze-fueled series whenever a special or unique giant gets a spotlight in another book. I was like, wait a minute, but I just said we're not doing this anymore. (laughs) Okay, no, I'm going to say that again. Rewind. Great. I had like a quarter of a bottle of wine. What a fucking shit show. Fuck that. That was, there was tongue ties in this episode. It kicked off with some, it's ended with some... I mean, Erda. <laughs> Words are hard. Diggly Blue <laughs> I should have kept the recordings of me practicing that, to be honest with you. Oh my god. After 15 times, I think I got it. The look on your face when I said that Adam spelled it out phonetically for you just made me laugh. Yes. <laughs> he knew. He knew, and I still struggled. <laughs> this bitch is going to get this wrong. <laughs> He is rubbing his eyes. He's put his glasses on his head and rubbing his eyes right now. Oh, 100%. There's a big sigh that I can hear from the fucking space. (sighs) All right, well, we'll shut this down. Yeah. Success. We did it. Goodbye. Cheers. Cheers.